So hi everybody and hi Natalie, welcome to today's Woeful and Wonderful podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Feeling much more myself again. Great, as we're about to hear, there's a very special announcement to be made on today's podcast. Um, So we will get to that eventually, but shall we start (laughs) with our, um, our Woeful and Wonderful as we normally do? So how how's your week been what woeful and wonderful moments have you had I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do my woeful and wonderful without telling my news (laughs) go for it okay so my wonderful is that I am pregnant I am now just outside of the first trimester so I feel in a safer place to tell everybody and um, I'm 14 weeks in a couple of days um, so I've had the scan and my checks and everything else. So, um, yeah, everything's looking fine and normal so far. But also the fact that I am feeling slightly human again because I have been very poorly. Um, not quite as poorly as with my first pregnancy, but we'll go into that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, so my woeful is that I've been so poorly and really wiped out, like really, really tired, as well as being really sick and spent some time in hospital. Um, and just the knock on effect that that has on life, um, work and spending time with my little one and my partner and just life like being able to keep everything clean and tidy and doing things that I want to do and being able to go out and everything so it's had a big impact on me recently so there's been a fair few woeful moments that have kind of built up um and even this past week as often with the woeful wonderful we kind of talk about most recent events but I had some wonderful moments last week where I felt human again and I got really excited last Monday um, and did a really long day at work and um, just felt excited that I could do work and concentrate on work again um, because I'd kind of missed that part of me I think Um, and it completely wiped me out (laughs) on the Tuesday I was having to nap a lot so I still managed to make all the things I had scheduled in but even if I had a half an hour slot I had to close my eyes and rest and um, so kind of my wonderful is that I have this wonderful news um, and that I am starting to feel a little bit better but there's a lot of woeful kind of tied up in that which we're going to go into a little bit more detail today so I won't go too much now. It should maybe be woeful, wonderful and wabid. That's the (laughs) word I would always use to describe that morning or all day sickness that yeah, comes just the joy of being pregnant the intensity isn't it it's just it just consumes everything like oh yeah we'll go into it more detail but just smells and tastes and just yeah yeah <laughs> how about yourself what's your woeful and wonderful that comes to mind well, I think after your news, it's quite anticlimactic. <laughs> but um, I guess I was thinking about woeful and wonderful. And as the listeners know, I have teenagers. So I'm a bit further ahead than you are. Um, so my woeful was, well, it's not really anything major, but just something that's come up, the sort of challenges of having teenage girls um, was, uh, it's maybe a kind of general thing, but my my daughter who's 15 is quite interested in drinking alcohol 
uh-huh. and we went out to a little they had a little sort of disco in the village hall and I thought oh, this would be good I'll take them out um they weren't supposed to go because they should have been 16 um but it was okay because they were 15 and a lot of the kids their age were kind of drunk and drinking uh-huh. um and I just thought oh this is a new phase that we're moving into here because you know she kind of wanted to go and drink and it just made me feel a bit weird. Yeah. Um, so I didn't make much a scene about it, but I do remember, I don't know how old you were when you started drinking, but I guess it was round about that age. <laughs> around about then, yeah, I'd say. So then my wonderful was that the next again day we went away to, there's a festival called Bella Drum Festival, which um music festival a couple of hours away. We had the most amazing day. So me and my two daughters went and I caught up with my very old school friend who's got children who are older than mine so she Mm -hmm. was kind of advising me on how to handle the drinking but I was just so aware of how many young people were drinking yeah a lot and I don't know whether it's a Scottish thing or a UK thing I think it's quite UK bound really but it's interesting that'd be interesting maybe it's something we can talk about in another podcast but people who've got older kids or how they manage it how they support it. I'm glad that's far away for me at the minute, <laughs> even thinking about that. It's kind of just crept up on me almost in this summer holidays that yeah. we're in. So yeah, the woeful was just that sort of concern that came with that. But the wonderful was being at this festival and it was a big, big event. You know, there was really good bands playing and thousands and thousands of people there. And I felt confident enough to let my two girls just go off with their own friends. Oh, that's really good. And they had a great time and they were so good. And, you know, I didn't need to go shouting for them. We arranged meeting points. They were always there. And then they wanted to go home before I did. <laughs> we were in, it was called the Hot House Tent and it was Gokwan was DJing and it was just, oh, wow. I was really into it. And they were like, right, mom, let's go. <laughs> so, <laughs> So that felt quite wonderful. But then because I wasn't drinking, I dri- I had to drive, you know, a couple yeah. of hours. So, yeah, very nice weekend, quite a nice experience. But this awareness of, okay, this is another challenge we're about to move into. In the- There's a new chapter starting, perhaps. Watch this space. <laughs> okay, okay. topic we're going to talk about today because it's really relevant I guess for me right now and and you've had your experiences of it also um is early pregnancy and all of the wonderful wonderful and challenges and everything that that kind of comes with so um obviously this is very recent experience for me but how about for yourself Helen how was your kind of experience of early childhood and you don't have much of a gap either so you kind of um went from one early pregnancy into another I guess so what was your experience of your early pregnancy journey so my experience was um so when my first with with Iona my first um experience was horrendous I just started a new job I was on secondment um and I've been trying to get pregnant for a very long time and then I had not long let me think about this. I had not long miscarried, so it was um, it was quite a stressful time. And then I felt so so sick, and you know, I I couldn't do anything about it. So I remember just feeling 
completely lost and in a cloud of nausea and not being able to tell anyone and feeling very scared, very frightened. Um, everyone was saying, you know, don't worry, but, you know, you kind of think, oh, okay. But I think once you've had that experience where you have miscarried, you know, it was a case of I was trying mm-hmm. to hide my sickness, trying to prove myself in this new job that I'd started. Um, I remember spending a lot of time in the horrible hospital bathroom with my face against the wall because it was the only <laughs> a cool place I could find. And just checking all the time, like checking my body, checking my pants to see if I still was pregnant, like yeah. so many times a day. And just wanting to be asleep for the whole time so that I could wake up beyond it. Um, yeah. That was with, with the first one. And then with the second one, with Grace, um, I again felt really sick, but I had a niece, a, a, well, she would have been what, nine months? Oh you know, nine months yeah. when I was pregnant again. Uh, so yeah, it was a bit full on. No no time to rest then with a nine month old. No, and I would try and have just nap when she did. And um, yeah, you just kind of have to go on with it really, but very difficult, very tough. And So were you still on maternity leave? Um, was I on maternity? I can't even really remember. Would that be right? So there's 18 months between them. So I would have maybe just been back for a little while. Okay. And then off again. Um, it's quite hazy now. I remember being less anxious with Grace, but just really wanting the, the nausea part to stop. And I mm-hmm. remember being on holiday with my friends and it was maybe I thought I would have felt better. It was about 19 weeks. We were away in this remote part of Scotland and I had to go to the GP because I just couldn't stop being sick the whole uh. the whole time. And then I came back from that and felt fine again. And then it all kind of fell into place, but a lot less anxious. I guess my anxieties were more around giving birth because the first one was a bit, I know, it was a bit of an emergency, tricky situation where... Yeah. Um, so yeah so that's my experience but you're in it and you're living it and you're (laughs) reading it right now so I am well right now I'm much better and the mantra I've really kind of stuck with is it's not as bad as last time like that has been my absolute mantra for the past 14 or so weeks so um, yeah it was really horrific with um, Evelyn um, I was really, really sick. Um, we we did have to have additional, we talked about it in the fertility episode, I did have to have additional fertility treatment to get pregnant with Evelyn, but we got caught really early in the fertility treatment, so we were very lucky. Um, but in a way that's, you know, that must be tough as well, because then very early on, you're aware you're pregnant and you've got all this... Yeah, I was caught off guard <laughs> completely. So I think when I found out I was pregnant with Evelyn, I was about three weeks um, and with this one, we found out when I was one or two weeks. So really, really early with this one because I was, because mm, it's taken us longer with this fertility journey. Um, I was having a lot more invasive um, scans and checks and they were checking when my follicle was ready. And so I know almost like to the day when I ovulated so we can almost like pinpoint exactly when I would have got pregnant. Um, and then they told me to do a test two weeks later. So it was on that test that we found out that I was pregnant. So it was very, very early on that I found out I was pregnant this time around. Um, and I think that helped in a way because I was I was about three weeks 
um, four weeks pregnant with Evelyn and the sickness started around five, six weeks with Evelyn. So when we found out I was pregnant this time, I was kind of like, right, I've got this amount of time before the sickness is probably going to start. So we went out and enjoyed our weekends and went to Blackpool and visited friends um, a bit further away and I just wanted to be out and about because I knew that I was likely to get knocked off my feet. Um, My experience being pregnant with Evelyn was that I got really severe hypermesis gravidium, so that HG um, pregnancy. I was severely sick. Um, There was already a massive family holiday booked for two weeks in Italy and there was 13 of us going. And up until the day before, I kept saying, I don't know if I can go, I don't know if I can go. Um, Everyone around me was, um, my mum was saying like, come on, go. Like, even if you're ill in bed when you're there, you're still around everybody, we'll kind of rally together and keep you going. And when I was there, I was horrifically sick. Like, I left the apartment three times in the whole two weeks that we were there. Um, Really graphic, but my sister reverted I was throwing up poo which I didn't even know you could oh, do no. <laughs> like it was horrific like I, and I probably should have sought um, more in-depth medical help then before we went I was on tablet so I was about eight weeks pregnant when we went on holiday and um, so I already had tablets I'd already been taking tablets from about six weeks because I, I couldn't function without taking anti-sickness tablets so I had them with me and they just seemed to stop working after three to four weeks um the first one they gave me was the cyclozine and that made it worse for me that that really made me more poorly so they very quickly changed it to one beginning with a p it's like pro chloro prophazine or something I don't know I'm terrible at medical names but it's one beginning with p and then that one seemed to work for three to four weeks stopped working whilst we were away like completely stopped working I was sucking on like fox's sweets you know um not the mints but the fruit ones like the lemon and lime um with the kind of flavors San Peregrino you know the the posh lemonade that you can get that was something that um, I could have I can't stomach it at all now because I associated it with being so Funny, poorly it, kind of put yeah off so and then um we came back from there I was nine ten weeks um and then I ended up in hospital um with dehydration and exhaustion um and I was bang on 12 weeks when I was in hospital that time because they did a scan to check if it was multiple because they thought with me being so poorly and the hormones having such an effect on me that it may have been multiple. So I got to have a scan whilst I was there and they said I was bang on 12 weeks on that scan. Um, But it was really terrifying and it wasn't just the physical strain of it, but I thought I was going to die. Like I was not in a good place. Like I was so anxious. I was terrified I didn't know why it was happening. I felt guilty because I just wanted it to stop, but then felt guilty that wanting it to stop meant the baby would go away and then everything that comes with that. And I I remember those thoughts as well, that you just feel so bad that you just think, oh, why have I even put myself through this? Yeah, definitely. And I didn't speak to anybody about it because I've got people around me, family and friends that are struggling to conceive and going through their own fertility journeys. And I was like, I can't tell people how awful I feel and these thoughts that I'm having that I feel so guilty about 
because I'm the lucky one. I'm the one that's got pregnant, you know, but this is awful, you know. And um, so it was really, really hard. And I didn't talk to anybody about the thoughts I was having. I spoke about like the physical element because my mom used to have to come and pick me up to take me to her house because I couldn't bath or shower without someone listening out for me. Um, I was so weak. So people knew about the physical stuff that was going on, but I didn't speak to anybody until Evelyn was born about any of the kind of like mental trauma I was going through during the pregnancy. Um, And then with Evelyn, it was about, 18, 19 weeks when it started to settle, I actually managed to travel down to London for some work. My partner was in pieces. (laughs) He was really worrying about me because I had been so poorly. Um, But I managed to, I was still taking at least one tablet a day until she was born, but I was able to get about, I was able to cope. I was able to work again um, from around about 18, 19 weeks. Um, so we talk about early pregnancy today, but for, for Evelyn, it's certainly kind of stretched out um, with the sickness and the nausea. Those very early days are so, I think when something's so wanted and your your body responds in this very visceral yeah. way. And it's like people trying to guess why as well. Like it was kind of like, oh, well, you didn't have periods anyway. So maybe your body's just reacting to the hormones. And I'm like, well, maybe, but that doesn't help me right now either. Like, you know, yeah. then you don't know, you know, whether your pregnancy is very early on, knowing, you know, that kind of, we, we kind of say, or people say, don't tell people till you've had your first scan. Yeah. But it's just so huge. I remember just, you just become consumed with it. And there was an early pregnancy center that were quite good, but they would, you know, all they would offer is scans at sort of seven, eight weeks. And then that would yeah. be quite reassuring that you would start, you know, you'd see the heartbeat or. You'd know a baby was there because you just feel like utter crap. And you're like, I don't know. Nothing's even confirmed that there's something growing. Like, you know, I just feel crap. <laughs> and I don't know that it's real almost. There's a bit of that going on, isn't there? Um. So, yeah. So with Evelyn, we did tell people really early on. So as soon as we found out, we did kind of tell um a good handful of people um and that came with its own story as well but um so we did tell people really early on with with Evelyn whereas this time round um we didn't and part of that reason was because of some reactions that we'd had last time um and just wanting to reduce our stress levels but then also a bit of not wanting too many people checking in on me as well like I think I got really overwhelmed with that last time with people checking in or providing solutions or telling me to eat ginger biscuits oh my goodness like (laughs) if I could have a pound for every time someone said ginger biscuits or ginger tea or ginger gum I'm like I can't stand it like because I tried it in my first pregnancy even the smell of it before I got pregnant I'm like oh no it's associated with being so poorly um so I was just like don't even so this time I only told people that I knew would get it to some degree, you know, that have had similar experiences or would be able to help me and support me without trying to provide judgment or guidance and advice and things like this. So we were very selective with who we told um, early doors. And it was pretty much people that I could rely on to help me because I knew that I'd become so the major thing I struggled with with Evelyn was becoming so dependent on other people like I'm 
I pride myself on being independent and when that was all taken away from me when I was pregnant with Evelyn I really really struggled with that like really struggled with that um so this time around I was like I've got Evelyn now she's (laughs) two and a half and you know into everything and so aware I think I shared some messages with you when I was being poorly one time and she's rubbing my back and trying to cuddle me and going mommy poorly mommy poorly and I'm like yeah and it was breaking my heart just to hear her say it and then one time she's like mommy poorly I was like yeah I'm a bit poorly but I'll be okay I was like mommy's poorly because she's got a baby in her tummy and she's like baby in the tummy I'm like yeah and then she she turned around and was just like sad. I was like, I'm a bit sad, but I'm okay. And she went, no, my sad and hid her head in the couch. And I was like, oh my gosh, it breaks my heart. But amazing empathy for a two-year-old. But still I was like, I was really scared of it having a really big impact on her and her being really sad and upset about seeing me so poorly. So um, I've really kind of gone out outside my comfort zone a little bit in asking for the help and support, asking for friends to take her out for the day so that she enjoys and remembers all these adventures that she's had like strawberry picking or going to Walton Gardens which is a lovely little place near where I live or um, just having these nice little days rather than seeing me in bed or being sick and things like that so but when you think about you know most I don't know what percentage of women experience really bad sickness or that constant nausea I I'm guessing it's quite high mm. but it's funny like you kind of feel when it's happening to you that you know am I the only one that's ever had this why are people not talking yeah. about it how do other people cope how do we not know this as women how do we not know how are we not told that this is part of like I feel like it needs to be spoke about in schools you know like go back to the grassroots of when we're given sex education you know like not just don't do it because you're going to get pregnant but if you get pregnant this is all the things that can happen for you you know Um, and I didn't know of many people like I know people experience nausea and we've heard of morning sickness and things like that but I'd never known of anybody experience I never knew what hypermesis gravadium was and I've only learned to say it since (laughs) like I've heard about it so much didn't Kate the princess oh my gosh that was one thing that really frustrated me when the doctors were just like oh well princess Kate had this and I'm like yeah but she's a princess she doesn't have her own company same life and have to get up and cook I'm pretty sure she's covered so that doesn't help me in any way either Um, but she has done a lot of work in talking about it you know she's been on podcasts and and um wrote about it and spoke about it and things so I think that has helped um the case but yeah she's from a very different privileged (laughs) background doesn't have the same kind of stresses and strains of um everyday people I guess um but yeah this time I haven't felt as stressed with it um I have still felt stressed I did end up in hospital um I spent three days in hospital a couple of weeks ago but I didn't let myself get as far with it this time so I was really dehydrated and really exhausted I'd had the couple of weeks I was away um last time and still a week or two after I got back until I went to hospital so I was in a really dire place whereas this time it was my mum that kind of put her foot down um she came so my mum was coming to pick up my daughter to take her to the childminder in the morning because I just didn't have the strength to be able to get her dressed and get her out of the house and things so my mum came one day and she was just like you we need to take you 
in you need to get some liquids you need to get some fluids and things and I was like I'm all right like I'm, I'm getting by and she was like we're not letting it get as far as last time so um yeah I went in and I was mm, nine ten weeks I think when I went in this time annoyingly caught covid whilst I was in hospital so that really knocked me off my feet a little bit more felt like I'd been hit by a bus as well as trying to recover from the dehydration and exhaustion um so that had its own kind of difficulties in that my mum had my little one whilst I went into hospital and then kept her for eight days eight nine days it was I think in the end which is really really difficult it was needed and I fully appreciate it and feel very lucky that I've got my mum there and that my daughter is so settled with staying with my parents but it was really hard for me not to see her for that length of time um, it helped me to recover and I understood why because if she got ill or my parents got ill from us kind of doing that handover then that would be less helpful for me helpful for me as well so but it was really difficult and so many women don't have that um you yeah know, it's sure. you know, important to kind of pay attention to that when you're when you were speaking there I just um did a quick google search and I found a very interesting article from King's College London in October 21 but it's saying they did a survey of 5,000 women with hyperemesis gravadium hg which you're talking about mm-hmm. um and the survey found that 4.9 percent of women actually terminated a wanted pregnancy because of suffering this yeah. um 52.1 considered termination 25.5 occasionally thought about suicide um i mean that's just shocking that people yeah. are actually feeling and so do you bad. know what like it's the medical professionals that I've come across, especially the GPs, really don't know all that much about it. Like this time, because of what I experienced last time, I was much more firm in asking for the medication that I know that worked last time and requested it early and going to the hospital early, stating exactly what it was that I was going through because I've experienced it before. But then there was still... Like in the hospital, I was getting, I was moved from ward to ward because of the COVID and everything else. It was a bit crazy. It was horrible. But I once I was in the COVID ward where they weren't gynae trained or, you know, like trained in, in pregnancy and that kind of thing, because I was just on a mixed ward and they were questioning the medication that I was requesting. And I was like, the doctor, you can see on your system, the doctor's already prescribed me this multiple times. And they were trying to tell me what the side effects were. And I'm like, I know, but if I don't, that the reason I'm in here is because I got so dehydrated that I couldn't function and I was exhausted. And that's more dangerous to me and the baby than the potential side effects from, from the ondansetron, which is the medication that works for me. And it was just, it was just having to, advocate and fight for what I know works for me with people that don't understand hypermesis gradium or understand kind of what I'd been through and experience. You also wonder, you know, if this was a male issue, would these really <laughs> shocking statistics yeah. be showing well, up? Me and my friend joked and said that and me and my partners have said the same I was like if guys went through this like HG and pregnancy and everything that kind of comes with it they definitely would have found a cure for it for sure you know like it's it's so horrendous and I think it's it's so 
there's such a stigma around it and it's really hard to talk about and express and share with people and and even some people that are really close to me have still made out that part of it's in my head and I just want to punch them in the face (laughs) like it drives me insane because I'm like I am not choosing to be completely wiped off my feet and throwing up 20 40 times a day not being able to contain food or liquid and spending my whole day either sleeping or being sick like that's how I was spending weeks on end like that is not a choice like if I could choose what to do right now I would be working and functioning and getting on with my day and I guess most of the stories that we kind of run to are here or or maybe the reason we kind of compare ourselves to all of this is we kind of have these images of this should be the happiest time of oh, people talk about that pregnancy glow and I'm like that's sweat and vomit like, <laughs> there's no such thing as a pregnancy glow it's none of it's glamorous like we've talked about early pregnancy today but even the phases that kind of came after that weren't particularly glamorous either last time so and I'm kind of working my way through that a little bit now but yeah it's been a journey and I'm still on it but I'm feeling so much better and I've started to reduce my meds and I've started to kind of get back to work a little bit I just have to nap every day you're looking so much better than you did a few weeks ago when it was just all coming to light so you know and and at least you're smiling again now I think I think you're actually even struggling to do that yeah I think I was nibbling my way through last time we did a recording I think when we I just remember time. eating very strongly flavoured, very processed food. That would be the one thing that would be my I have to go food. one way or the other. Like for a while, it was like really bland, no flavours, no smells. Smells were the biggest trigger for me. And poor dog, I was like getting my partner to bath her like at least once a week and cleaning everything because like, and she, she's not a smelly dog, but I, I was just so sensitive to smells. So that was actually a bonus of catching COVID was that it dulled. I could still taste and I could still smell, but it dulled my smell and it dulled my taste, which actually really helped me with the sickness. <laughs> so one bonus of, of getting COVID was that I could eat a little bit more because the smells weren't knocking me off. Yeah, I was very aware as well of when you were sending me um, occasional messages just saying how you felt. And I just, I sometimes didn't know how to, well, I do know how to respond, but I'm not going to say it's going to get better because it is S-H-I-T, you know, it's awful. (laughs) Um, And, you know, there's nothing I could say that would actually, uh, uh, you know, it's not about, I I can't fix it, you know, it is something your body is just working it's it's way doing whatever and you know I, I suppose a good kind of acty question would be would you change would you change it right now I mean it'd be quite nice not to feel so drained I've definitely said this is the last time something is growing inside my body I'm not doing it again um, and like I said that mantra of it's not as bad as last time you know and the fact that um I didn't tell my parents until I was eight weeks or so. So I'd done a good couple of weeks um, without telling too many people that I was pregnant, you know, and I almost felt like proud every day that I got through, even when I was feeling really awful in that I've managed and it's okay. And although it's been really hard for me to ask for help, seeking out those as the kind of like proud moments as well of, I've allowed this and it's with the best intention you know it's it's based on the values of my daughter having these great experiences and um and allowing people to help 
um, I think. And as well, family members, unless we, as the people experiencing it, don't, if we don't ask for help, people in this situation really don't know how to help us. There's so little can be done. So I guess, you know, it's important to let people in. I mean, that might lead us on to, I suppose, how we always end the podcast, which is our open, aware, engaged. So you're yeah. in it at the moment. What's your open, aware, engaged about early pregnancy? Um, I think I've ha- I've done a quite a lot of reflection with regards to this, I think, and that being that open to allowing that help in, being open to it's okay to rest and if it doesn't get done now, it can wait. Um, but being able to delegate so work-wise it's been that I've had my list but I've been able to delegate or do the things that have needed to be done and then my list has kind of remained there you know it's not last time I think when I was pregnant with Evelyn I felt like everything was going to crumble whereas this time I've been much more open to resting and allowing things to be um, which I definitely think was difficult for me last time um and then that awareness that, you know, I have survived this before. I think that is a fear that I've not had this time. Um, so that awareness of this is going to be okay as long as I allow the help and rest and take my time and notice and acknowledge um, and then engaging in actually doing that, you know, really engaging in resting like it sounds odd that sounds almost like an oxymoron doesn't it but really engaging in resting and allowing the house to not be as tidy as I want it to be allowing that I've not seen my daughter for that many days when she was staying with my mum when I was really poorly allowing that I can't get keep getting up and off or like up and down from the floor um, when she wants me to play and that this is the experience we're having and it's not as bad as last time. <laughs> Sticking with my mantra still. And I suppose yeah. it's your experience, isn't it? It's not yeah. it's not Evelyn's experience. She's just doing her thing, looking at you, but it's not the whole thing that and you're she, experiencing. She's is not loving her. it. She's she told people before I got chance to. <laughs> she was like, Mommy's got a baby in her tummy. You know, so she's she's happy still, you know. So even acknowledging that has been eye-opening and then even when she had that moment when she was like no my sad I was like oh my gosh the empathy in a two-year-old you know like even seeing that as a successful moment that you know she's that um emotionally advanced I guess but how about you I know I've kind of taken up a lot of space today but um from your experience or hearing mine kind of what's your reflection on openware and engage today um well I suppose I'm just kind of standing here with this article in front of me maybe I could put the link to this somewhere on our social media because yeah, I'm going to read sure. it in more detail but I guess I'm thinking about you know why I'm standing here doing this podcast talking about early pregnancy so I'm open to having discussions with people about it and getting this information out there so that women don't have to feel they have to hide things um you know it's not all blooming and marvelous when you feel when you know when you're pregnant um and aware that so many people experience this and hopefully by putting our um, podcast out there it will help others so that's kind of engaging with my values of why I'm trying to do this yeah um, yeah but it's not an easy time and that's okay for it not to be an easy time <laughs> yeah for sure so 
we'll keep everyone posted <laughs> i'm hoping that i get this second trimester boost of energy that everyone talks about <laughs> that'd be nice we'll have now. live stuff to talk about as, as we're moving on so <laughs> as we progress timely isn't it yeah yeah and obviously we did the facility episode didn't we so yep. it's kind of taking everybody on the journey with me now <laughs> yeah but also to acknowledge i suppose it's you know it's worked out for you and it's not been an easy journey but i guess it's not the same as everyone else's journey so let's acknowledge that as well and yeah for sure and we haven't talked about it as a topic yet but it's one that we've considered um because obviously we had our own fertility journeys you touched on that you've experienced a miscarriage but there are others out there that have are still on a journey you know and it's been a long journey or um i've had to give up on a journey or followed a different path you know so we definitely want to kind of explore that at some point as well don't we that and you know, it doesn't always lead to listeners to share their stories that's what we're here to do just to change this narrative that it's all you know we don't have to hide things away it's okay to experience all these things the more, the more you talk about it like I didn't know about HG or that other people were experiencing it until I started talking about it and then seeing other people speak about it and connecting and we want to kind of provide that pl- platform to talk about the things that aren't talked about and also have that connection with other women and the journeys that they've got as well. So For sure. It feels important. For sure. Oh, Helen, it was lovely to catch up. It's been a while since we did a recording, so it's felt good today. Due to the nausea, but yes, your nausea, <laughs> yeah. not mine. <laughs> yeah. It's really nice but... to be able to share your news and to be there and to be par- part of the kind of group that we're in the early yeah thank you for all your help and support with it as well okay so i'll catch you next time helen and we'll pick the next topic as well so you take care you too natalie see you later Bye. bye